I have a plane flying right by my head. Oh, we can hear it. <laughs> Darn you. I don't get many of those, which is interesting, considering I'm up the road from the airport. Hello and welcome to Book Retorts. I'm Sam. I'm Danielle. And this is the podcast about sharing weird media with your friends Yay! who don't know what you're talking about. I don't. What are you doing today, Sam? Well, we'll get to that, Danielle. But first, I want to say thank you for saying your name so slowly today. You're welcome. <laughs> I really I thought practicing. about it. Yeah, I, know, I did I not practice, tell. but I did mentally think about it before I said it. Very well done. <laughs> I don't need to practice saying my own name. Or maybe I do. I, the look, amount of look, times people get my name wrong. When performing, you got to practice saying everything. You think like, oh, I, I know how to speak English good. I can do this. Be like, no, me no speak English good. Uh-oh. <laughs> it's a real problem. It is. But you're welcome. Anytime. All right. We just keep getting better and better. Someday <laughs> we'll rule this place. And what this place is, I don't know. But anyway, what we're doing today is a 1992 film, Danielle. Uh-huh. That's right. Back to a film. The film is Toys. Toys. The Barry Levinson production. I've seen like 10 minutes film. of this, maybe, when I was 12. <laughs> Good, because if you'd seen more of it, I wouldn't be doing it on the show. <laughs> I don't recall much, if anything. So I'm going to start by sending you the description. Okay. I'm going to talk a little bit about the background for this movie, because it is bonkers. So here we go. A high-tech toy factory falls into the hands of an army general who turns the models into killing machines. The deceased owner's children know what's afoot, and although apparently powerless, have to find a way of bringing down the nightmarish empire that is being constructed under their noses. That's very dramatic. <laughs> it is very dramatic. So, first things first, Toys was a massive flop. It lost something like $25, $27 million in the box office. Impressive. I know. Did not do well, despite its amazing power cast. So I'm just going to read some of the names in the power cast. There's Robin Williams, who is starring, obviously. I knew that. Michael Gambon, mm -hmm. Jack Warden, Joan Cusack, Robin Wright, LL Cool J, and... The feature film debut of Jamie Foxx. How did they get all these people onto this movie with the plot of a high-tech toy factory falls into an army general who tries to take over the world with toys? Barry Levinson? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Do they all owe him a favor? <laughs> Money talks, Danielle. So anyway, all the people in this movie, and this movie is weird because not only is it just kind of wacky, but it has an amazing art design. Like, it legitimately looks really cool. There are lots of really nice touches and a lot of color and pop in the film. It looks beautiful, but the plot is so dull by comparison. That's just such a weird juxtaposition. And also, even though this is like a movie about toys, it's rated PG-13. Well, they're killing machines, Sam. The Killing Machines, yes. Well, I mean, there have been PG movies like Killing Machines before. I think, like, Small Soldiers existed. Well, or at least maybe after this movie was made. But Is that PG? It's happened. Might be PG-13. Uh, maybe. But here's the reason it's PG-13. It's PG-13 for language and sensuality. Ooh. Yeah. So Sexy toys. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> Kinda. Ew. So the point is, this movie was very, like, childlike in its presentation as this pop 
bright color stuff going on, but had a very sort of adult theme and adult plot and adult situation. So it, it kind of struggled to find an audience. Does this uh, explain what the army general was going to do if a high-tech toy factory didn't suddenly come for sale through the death of its owner? We'll get to that. Don't worry. We'll get to all of that. In fact, we'll get into that right now. <laughs> Love to know the backstory on this general and how he got involved in toys. Oh, I forgot to mention also, the music is weird. It's good, but weird. It's Hans Zimmer. I really like Hans Zimmer. And Trevor Horn. And it features performances by Tori Amos and Enya. Hmm. Well, why not? <laughs> yeah, Grace Jones, Frankie Goes to Hollywood. There are all kinds of That's a combination. fun songs on this. So anyway, I just had to put it out there. Like There, there was a lot of talent that went into this movie. <laughs> But sadly. Yeah, sadly, just that stew just did not come together into something delicious, unfortunately. So, the movie opens with just a bunch of weird wind-up toy sounds over a black screen. The credits are white, they come out one after another, it's Robin Williams, Robin Wright, etc., etc. Then we cut to a pan over a model cityscape. It's New York City, but the buildings are maybe six feet tall, and they're plywood. It's an actual model. Yeah, not like an actual 3D model, but like a plywood model. Right. And there are girls in ballerina costumes dancing through the snowy streets. It's a stage! It's a Christmas pageant. As the camera pulls back, you see there's an audience and there's a stage, and so the city is a set. So the audience is enjoying the dance of the elves and the fairies and the gingerbread kids and so on and so forth, and just goes on for a while. This movie is like two hours long. (laughs) And it takes its time. So then it cuts to a car driving through a field, and then back to the pageant where we just ignore that whole car thing. (laughs) Does it come back into play? Uh, I mean, kind of. But also, this movie likes to cut to very short scenes, and then back to the main stuff a lot as well. That's an editing choice. Back in the pageant, there's a girl dressed as a Christmas tree who starts singing a Christmas carol, and then a children's choir joins in, and then it goes all up-tempo for a fresh and funky Christmas carol dance. Yay! And I have no idea what's happening or why. <laughs> the best kind of Christmas pageant. Absolutely. So then Santa Claus in a large toy airplane flies over the stage on the fly system for the stage. Is, is this yeah. a school? No. Okay, it's like an actual theater? No. <laughs> I'm just curious where they're getting like all this money. <laughs> well, I'll talk about that. So as he's flying over the stage on this toy airplane suspended from the fly system above the stage. He starts dropping presents on parachutes for the kids. And we cut back to the car, driving the field, and on the low hill is a giant toy elephant that's spewing snow from its trunk over a whimsical toy factory that looks like toy blocks all stacked together. And we can hear the muted music from the pageant. So it's happening inside the toy factory. That's cool. So there is a pageant inside a toy factory in the middle of freaking nowhere. Sure, why not? <laughs> why not indeed? Are they actual human beings on the stage or are they all toys? Yes. Okay. No, they're humans. <laughs> you never <laughs> know question. in a movie called Toys. <laughs> Boy, that's a valid question. (laughs) So the car pulls up to the factory and out gets a military man. He's addressed as General Zevo by a businessman who introduces himself as Owen Owens. What Owen Owens does? I don't know. I think he's like the manager or the assistant or something to the owners of the toy factory. He's just around. Is he going to shut it down? No. Okay. He's very nice. He's kindly. I didn't mean Owen Owens, but the general guy. No. The general was sent an urgent telegram 
by Owen that his brother, the owner of the factory, is deathly ill. Oh, no. I know. So he go inside. And again, I want to mention the design here is really cool. Like everything inside is bright primary colors. They look like toys. Like there's toy staircases that move around. Everything is like giant toy robots and stuff. So the movie looks really good. Like it's fun to just sort of watch it if you just sort of ignore the plot. <laughs> so they go open the door at the top of the stairs to go into the office, presumably to meet his brother. And a slinky comes out because again, play factory. It's very like if Willy Wonka had a toy factory, this would be it. Okay. That's a good mental image. Thank you. Yeah. So the owner is talking to his brother and they're sitting in his office and he's saying that he can't give the business to his son Leslie or his daughter Alsatia because Leslie's just not ready for the responsibility. He hasn't grown up. And we'll learn this later, but his son is like 40. It's Robin Williams. Does he have to grow up in order to run a toy factory? <laughs> That's a great question, Danielle. Apparently, his father doesn't think he's ready. So he's offering his brother a deal to take over the presidency of Zevo Toys to sort of shepherd it along until his son learns some leadership skills from the General Zevo because he's a general. So he has some leadership skills. Maybe he can pass them on to Leslie and make him ready to take over the toy factory. So they're putting a guy who has absolutely no experience in charge instead of the guy who probably has some knowledge of the business but isn't quite ready to be in charge. That is correct, Danielle. These plans are nonsense. (laughs) Interesting choice. (laughs) And then a rock and hard place, but still. Or you could bring in, I don't know, a consultant or Owens in charge. You could hire somebody. I'm sure there's somebody who wants to manage the toy shop in the interim. And you could set up a board of directors and have Leslie as president and then hire a CEO and then et cetera, et cetera. Oh, look, we solved the plot. (laughs) (laughs) Five minutes in. But I suppose that Kenny Zevo wants to keep it in the family. I should also mention that the owner is wearing a propeller beanie that was spinning I mean, through this whole conversation. Don't all toy factory owners wear propeller beanies? <laughs> yes, but not all of them are plot relevant. <laughs> and he's worried that his son hasn't grown up. I know. It's really... well. I don't know if it's where his son isn't grown up or is it, does he have the leadership skills to manage toy? It does, he's never clear about why his son isn't ready. He's just like, he's not ready. You're like, why? Don't ask me questions. <laughs> Do you want to go from being a three-star general to a toy factory owner? Yes or no? <laughs> <laughs> choice is easy. Yeah. So they're talking and General Zevo is like, you want me to give up my commission and take over? And you can see in the background through the large glass window, the Christmas pageant is happening. So they're having this conversation while the Christmas pageant is happening and they just sort of like have that running in the background for some reason. Are these kids on the stage? Yeah. Maybe they're the children the of the uh, people who work at the toy factory. No. Uh, maybe. I don't know. Maybe Danielle. they just needed a space to rent, Sam. Did you ever think about that? <laughs> Well, then why schedule your business meeting with your brother during the pageant? Well, he doesn't have to watch the pageant. Maybe he has nothing to do with it. But he loves the pageant. The point is, like, he wasn't even supposed to be in today because he's ill. Like, Owens is like, shouldn't even be here, but he just loves the pageant so much. Oh, okay. Well, you didn't say that. I didn't because I didn't think it'd be relevant, but here we are. (laughs) Everything is relevant, Sam. (laughs) Anyway, while they're talking, the propeller beanie starts blinking and the propeller starts to splutter and... This apparently is a bad thing because as Owens explains, after his heart surgery, the owner wired the propeller beanie to his pacemaker, (laughs) which is a terrible idea. It's like bad. I don't know how you could run the wire like through your head, down your neck into the... Anyway, he wired the propeller beanie to his pacemaker as a quote unquote early warning signal. And then he collapses. Oh, dear. That wasn't very early warning then. (laughs) No. So an ambulance is called. It's playing an ice cream truck tune as it drives him away (laughs) with his brother in there. So the two brothers are in the ice cream truck slash ambulance. 
<laughs> Again, this movie, it's whimsical. <laughs> really committed to it. That's good. And Owen tries to convince the owner that, like, come on, don't give it to your brother. He's a military man. Change your mind. But he's like, nope, I'm sticking to it. He's going to take over and he dies. Is he the uh, army general who turns the models into killing machines? Danielle, what's up to see? <laughs> or are there more army generals involved? Uh, at some point, there are. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> um... Anyway, so Kenny Zevo, owner of the factory's dad, he's leaving it to his brother. We cut to a new scene where a limo pulls up to a big stone box in the middle of a field, and the box unfolds to reveal a pop-up house inside, where Joan Cusack and Robert Williams are living, and they're dressed in black and ready for the funeral. So they're, wait, where they're living where? They're living in a pop-up house. <laughs> That pops out of a giant stone slab. Is it, a re is it made out of actual housing material? I don't know, Daniel. <laughs> <laughs> it just shows the out. I'm sure like the art designer is like, hey, this will look really cool if we have like this giant pop-up house come out of the stone slab. And then we just cut to the interior and it looks like a normal house. Okay. <laughs> but painted red sure. in primary colors. So everything's bright and poppy. Why not? Yeah. But instead of a limo, Leslie, Rob Williams, elects to drive his dad's car, which is a bumper car, <laughs> that he repeatedly rams into the other cars in the funeral procession. <laughs> which funny. is kind of fun. <laughs> I enjoyed that part. <laughs> Funerals should be for celebrating life. <laughs> yes, exactly. And speaking of, at the funeral, during the sermon, this laughter starts coming out of the casket. And it quickly infects the crowd, and everyone starts laughing. Well, and then Leslie finally gets up and opens the casket, and it's just stuffed full of toys <laughs> with the body. Apparently, their dad wanted to be buried with all his toys, and one of them is a barrel of laughs that's just laughing. I'm so perplexed how he is more mature than Robin Williams' character. <laughs> Maybe there is some ineffable quality to being the leader of a toy factory that Robin Williams did not possess. I'm just going to have to go with that. Something about, you know, you can be a child at heart, but you have to have leadership skills. You got to get people to love you, or you have to have a sense of responsibility. I mean, that's I not know. untrue to run a company, but still. Yeah, no, <laughs> it's weird. So he shuts off the barrel full of laughs, and then they lower the body, and everyone sort of like says goodbye and a funeral. Mm -hmm. So General Zevo agrees to take over and requests a tour of the factory. And again, it's a wacky factory as you'd expect it. All the employees are dancing at this weird, <laughs> like electronic music plays. And this, I think this is Tori Amos, I'm not 100% sure, but. It's just like this kind of creepy song, and they're all like dancing to it while they're working on the assembly lines, and they're like these giant robots and other toys, like giant toys, that are spewing up the parts to the assembly line that they're using to make the small version of the toys. Do you think they're being forced to dance, like it's part of their job requirement? Um, Probably not. I mean, the implication is here, they're all happy, and that they're having fun, and they all love working here, which is to be in contrast to when things change, obviously. I like my job too, but... I don't dance very frequently at it. <laughs> I don't know, man. This song is, I think there was like, this feels very cultish. It feels like a horror movie at times because this song is playing. It just keeps going, happy workers, happy workers. I'm like, what is happening? Why is this creepy lady yelling happy workers at me while people dance on an assembly line? What's going on? Yeah, it sounds like they're being forced to dance. I think there's some underworkings to this that we haven't gotten to yet. I highly recommend this scene. It is so creepy. It's wonderfully creepy. It's so jarring, but it's supposed to be, I think, literally happy workers having fun, enjoying their job. Mm -hmm. I'll see. I'll buy that when I see it later. <laughs> yeah. So General 
Zevo walks into the room with Leslie and the others are watching test footage of novelties. So they're seeing like, oh, these novelties work or not. And someone mentions that they pooped in their bathtub because everyone does it. And everyone's like, no, no one does that. Ew. And then we move on. <laughs> There's a lot of shtick in this movie. Like Robin Williams and other people are just given a chance to improvise and do shtick. So they move on to Alsatia, who apparently is wearing clip-on clothing and plastic doll wigs because she likes to test fit and try out all the clothing before it goes into production. Did we mention why Alsatia couldn't take over? No. What the father said was, Alsatia can't take over because obviously or something. He just, said, like, he just said it was, stated like it was obvious. Oh, okay. Sure. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> just trying to problem solve this issue still, apparently. You will be impressed by the reason. <laughs> General Zevo is not amused by Joan Cusack's doll girl routine. So she's Alsatia. Yes. Joan Cusack is Alsatia. Sorry, I didn't make that clear. Their brother and sister. Yes. Okay. And they what, thought maybe they were married or something since they were living together earlier, or at least a relationship. But no, they're No, they're related. brother and sister. Yes. Got it. Uh, yeah, I'm sorry. We should have been clear about no, that. No, it's okay. And Alsatia <laughs> tries to intrigue Zevo by saying like, ooh, look at all this doll stuff. Isn't it great? And he's like, no, I'm not interested in sissy stuff. So then Leslie walks in on them. He does some shtick with a smoking jacket because prop comedy is fun and <laughs> general zevo has still not committed to taking over the factory until he talks to his father so he goes to talk to his father which is a four-star general who's an old man who's bedridden and just mumbles and his father points out that he has four stars while the younger general zevo only has three stars and general zevo complains like it's not my fault i have this british accent that you gave to me because you were stationed overseas when i was born so no one takes me seriously as an american general <laughs> And I'm like, oh, yeah, he does have a British accent. This movie was so, like, awash in weirdness, I didn't even notice. <laughs> like, I was like, okay, yeah, British accent for the guy. I'm like, works for me. But apparently, it's a big thing for him. And so the younger Zevo, he mentions that, like, the military is losing favor and budget because there are no more good wars since Vietnam. Like, all the wars are now a different kind of warfare. It's not those big, drawn-out military conflicts. And since the fall of communism, there aren't these big enemies for the fight. And so he's like, the military isn't what it used to be. I'm looking to myself i'm gonna be out of a job my budgets are being cut should i just take over the toy factory and his dad just falls asleep <laughs> so his dad had nothing to do with the toy factory no his dad was a military man he always preferred leland general zevo as his favorite son because he followed him into the military right so the younger general zevo he dejectedly is about to walk out when he pauses to ask the nurse to go out with him that night. He's like, are you free tonight? And she's like, sure. <laughs> and he's like depressed. He's like, are you free tonight, Debbie? And she's like, all right. So they know each other. Apparently. Like the nurse is like a private nurse. That's less hired, weird, but... I guess, than if it was just I mean, some random creepy, nurse. <laughs> because she still works for him, but not great. So then General Zevo attends what looks to be a midnight board meeting of the toy company. <laughs> I guess if your owner suddenly passed away, maybe you would have a midnight board meeting. Well, I mean, it's obviously days later. This isn't just like, oh, an emergency board meeting. It's like, oh, we, we meet at, in the dark. No, then I don't know. Because, That's weird. <laughs> yeah, it's weird. And it's, they're talking about like normal stuff. It's just like boring and droning on. And General Zevo is bored out of his mind. He's falling asleep until... Owens mentions that some of the other toy companies have been doing an industrial espionage. And he perks up. He's like, ooh, espionage. Is that common knowledge? What do you mean? That the other companies are doing industrial espionage? Is that just like everybody knows? I think like they mentioned that another toy, like one of the toy designs was leaked. Okay. And they have evidence of that. Like that's what you're talking about. Oh, one of our toy designs was leaked. And he's like, what? Leaked? He's like, yes, you know, there's industrial espionage is something that happens among toy manufacturers. There's, you know, spying and whatnot. And he gets very interested. And so he has a sidebar with Owen to discuss the espionage. He's like, I see. 
now I'm interested. And he's like, I'm going to set up a security system to protect ourselves. And he's going to get his son, Captain Patrick Zevo, as the perfect man to shore up their defenses. So now he sees a military problem. He's all interested in taking over the factory. Sure, but that's not going to go on forever. He can't just be interested in one aspect of the entire company you're running. I think he uses it as like the tipping point for the scales. Because he was like, should I leave the military? Should I not? He was talking to his father about it. His father didn't give him an answer. So now he's like, okay, here's something I can at least hold on to as a way to get me into it. Sure. Okay. All right, just go with it. I'm going with (laughs) it. There's no movie if he doesn't. So back in the pop-up house, Leslie Alsatia and General Zevo are waiting for his son to arrive. Uh, Robin Williams does some shtick with magnets and deviled eggs, when suddenly a man who is camouflaged as the couch pops up. Magnets and deviled eggs. (laughs) He makes the deviled egg move around so you can't pick it up by using magnets. What's inside the deviled egg? Yeah, no, you can't eat it, Danielle. That'd be bad. Don't eat that deviled (laughs) egg. Okay, as long as we're uh, aware that we can't eat the deviled eggs, that's fine. He ruined a deviled egg to do his (laughs) thing. Okay, so somebody uh, dressed as a couch, you said? Sorry, I got very sidetracked. Dressed as the couch, which is an orange couch, pops up. It's LL Cool J as Captain Zevo, the son of General Zevo. (laughs) As a couch. <laughs> and so they all sit down to dinner and they chat and Patrick mentions that Alsatia always looks so nice. She reminds him of a time he spent with them and General Zeva was like, what? You spent time here? I told your mother never to leave you alone here. And that was apparently when her mother was called to Vietnam by their father, General Zevo, because of some reason. And so it was a last minute thing. And then she died in Vietnam from appendicitis. Her mom did? Patrick's mom. Uh-huh. General Zevo's wife died in Vietnam from appendicitis after he called her over there and left Patrick. Patrick with his cousins. Sad. Yeah. So this is a very touchy subject for both Patrick and General Zevo. They get choked up a bit. Aww. But then you move on to talking about their plans for the factory and Patrick plans to interrogate everyone at the company then set up a security system with badges and the whole works. And then General Zevo mentions spinning up a new line of war toys because, you know, he's like, I noticed that we're the only company that isn't making quote unquote war toys. So, you know, toy tanks, toy planes, right. that kind of stuff. And Leslie is like, I don't like that on principle. We've never made war toys before. It's not really hard thing. And that just sort of gets dropped. I mean, clearly they're going to make war toys. It sounds like it's the entire premise of the movie. Danielle, it's called foreshadowing. (laughs) (laughs) So later, Robin Williams, or Leslie, is putting Alsatia to sleep, putting her to bed. They have a very sort of like childlike relationship, like he almost takes care of her. Uh So he's tucking her in and talking about like the future of the company. And eventually they lower the bed into a giant duck. (laughs) So like the top half of the duck is lowered onto her like a sarcophagus. That's creepy. (laughs) And that's how she goes to bed. And I just want to mention that because it's wild. There's no point to that scene that I can remember, but I do remember the duck. That scares me. (laughs) Yeah, I bet. The next day to get into work, everyone has to go through like a TSA on overdrive checkpoint. So they're like, there's barbed wire, there's chain link fence, they're getting scanned and patted down. That was fast. Yeah. Maybe there was a time jump and it didn't mention it, but it feels like the next day. Mm -hmm. There are military men everywhere in berets and like black suits. They look top notch in their costumes. (laughs) The workers are no longer dancing. Everyone is sad. There are military patrols walking through the factory. Now we know that this is not going to do well for morale. I mean, would... If your job was a toy factory and you came to work and there was barbed wire around it, how would you feel? <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm just saying, obviously, that's what they're sort of trying to do. The contrast between the dancing creepy workers and the dejected creepy workers. Right. So in a meeting, General Zevo berates the R&D department over their lackluster war toy designs. They're like cutesy and not at all war toys. <laughs> Unless he's like, hey – We've never made war toys before. Cut them some slack. And they argue a bit before Leslie just dis- is dismissed by General Zevo. I feel like there's a market for cutesy war toys. I mean, maybe. Uh, but that's not what General Zevo wants. 
He wants authenticity. And he's going to get what he wants. Uh, yes. Leslie also disapproves of how Patrick is interrogating people, especially it comes out the cute new girl, Gwen Tyler, who's in charge of duplication. So there's a scene where LL Cool J, as Patrick, goes into the duplication room and is like, has there been duplication going on? <laughs> It's a whole, like, shtick thing. And Gwen, played by Robin Wright, with a southern accent for some reason. <laughs> she wanted to practice. <laughs> Apparently. They're in Iowa, and she's literally the only person with a southern accent. <laughs> Maybe she has a southern accent. Where's Robin Wright from? You know what? That's a fair point. She could be southern. I don't know. Robin Wright, call me. Please. I would love to hear from Robin Wright. That'd be amazing. She's wonderful. Just be curious. Maybe that's just her na- – none of us have ever heard her speak in her natural tone. <laughs> Didn't she do a British accent in The Princess Bride or something? Uh, I don't know. Kind of. Maybe. She like a hoity-toity Yeah, like a princess accent. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I don't know if it was British. Uh, anyway, you're right. Maybe that was just an affectation and she's really Southern. I'd like to think Could that's be. true. <laughs> okay, you can think that. I'm not going to dissuade you. So while the interrogation is happening, Rob Williams, Leslie walks in and is like, breaks up the whole thing. He's like, hey, cut it out. That's, that's enough of that. It's very Danielle of you to say Robin Williams and Leslie is the name of the character the entire well, way because this movie is very much Robin Williams. Like he comes in, he does his shtick. It's Robin Williams as Robin Williams. He does a bunch of improv shtick. He's not playing a character. He's playing himself. <laughs> it's, it's very much just like, hey, we wanted Robin Williams to be Robin Williams doing like fun things with props and toys. Which is fine. We love Robin Williams, but there is no character Leslie. There is Robin Williams. <laughs> Some of his movies are like that. Yeah. We like again, him anyway. Oh, did I say he was bad? No. I'm just saying. It, it does make the illusion of the character harder to maintain. You just have to accept that that character is Robin Williams. You know what? You got me there. <laughs> like John Malkovich being John Malkovich in everything especially being John Malkovich. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was John Malkovich being John Malkovich. <laughs> How could he not be Domankovich? Okay, this sentence was crazy. I'm sorry I said it. <laughs> My sentence was crazy too. It's okay. It led into that. I realized what I was saying as I was saying it. <laughs> <laughs> Back to this movie. Sorry, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Rob Williams flirts with Robin Wright a bit, or I should say Leslie flirts with Gwen. <laughs> and then they go to the cafeteria to get some food. Uh, we see Alsatia. She gets a mayonnaise sandwich, which is her usual. I mean, sure. Which is gross. <laughs> Be better with some cheese in it or something, but. Nope, just the mayonnaise. She also is wearing a pink plastic doll hair. And she goes to sit down with Patrick and they talk a little bit about how he and Leslie are similar, but exactly polar opposites because Leslie has a soft exterior, but a hard interior. And Patrick has a hard exterior, but is a softy on the inside. And Patrick then complains a lot about how his food is touching. He's like, I like military food. I don't like food to touch. I like military plates. And it just kind of shows how he's high strung for some reason. <laughs> Good character development. Yeah, right? <laughs> Everyone has, like, time to do shtick in this movie. It's kind of weird but fun and also sometimes doesn't work. I'm going to suggest to our listeners that this is where you pull out your bottle of alcohol and every time Sam says the word shtick, feel free to take a shot. I'm sure There's by the, so end, much, <laughs> by the yeah, end of be drunk. this podcast. There's in this movie. <laughs> well, okay, how about they do bits? Is that better? <laughs> What would you call it, Danielle? No, you can continue saying it. I just think it's funny. It'd be a great drinking game. <laughs> we should have a, a word we suggest in every description for the episode that you should play the drinking game with. Yes. By the end of our podcast episodes, we are going to be the best podcast you've ever listened to. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely not the beginning. <laughs> So they're talking when Alsatia spots Leslie and Gwen eating over and she's like, oh, I'm so glad they found each other. And it's like, oh, uh, what? <laughs> Were they fated? Is there some behind the scenes thing that we don't know yet? Kind of. <laughs> Uh-oh. So meanwhile, Leslie's flirting with Gwen while they're talking. 
The movie is two hours long. There are some fart jokes. And it's also rated PG-13 because of the sensuality of their flirting. And then we move on. I was like, you're going to say it was PG-13 for their fart jokes. <laughs> no, this is the weird part, Daniel. Like, they have fart jokes, which seem like something aimed for, like, children. But the movie's PG-13, so it's clearly not for children. It's just such a weird dichotomy. Maybe it's a family movie, Sam. Okay, sure. I mean, I wouldn't object to it being a family movie. I just find the tone to be weirdly inconsistent. So the next day, General Zevo and Patrick go into town to do some reconnaissance to see what the competition is making in terms of war toys. Uh, and then we cut to Gwen walking in Isle of Stace, uh, on, I keep wanting to say Anastasia. I don't know why. <laughs> we cut to Gwen walking in Alsatia, who's singing in the bathroom, since apparently that's something her and Leslie do regularly. Like, they're going to meet up to sing in the bathroom later that day. <laughs> It's an event for them during the day. It's like on their calendar. It's one of their things they do. (laughs) Singing in the bathroom. Because the acoustics are better or something. I mean, they are. Everybody knows that who sings. That's what she says. Exactly. (laughs) In the movie. See? So Alsatia convinces Gwen to sing. Gwen does not sing very well. And she's like, maybe it's better as a duet. Let me join you. But they sing for a little bit. But mostly Alsatia interrogates Gwen about her intentions towards her brother. And that's that scene. And then we cut to the general and Patrick are in an arcade. They're walking through. They're looking at all the kids, playing all the war arcade games. And the general decides to play a tank driving game. It's basically just like watching your grandfather play arcade games. Yeah. He's somewhat confused by it. LL Cool J as little Patrick Zevo is guiding him through the process. Like, you got to push that button. You got to start it. Those are points. And general Zevo is playing. And he gets a little too into the game. Like he almost has like a flashback. It seems like a Vietnam flashback as he gets like really into it and starts blowing things up. Oh. Uh, but the general and Patrick eventually return with like a box of war toys and declares his need to push his designers harder to make his war toys a reality. I don't think it's necessarily a bad idea to do war toys if that's something you wanted to add to your lineup. Yeah, I mean, it's not a bad business model. Of course, Leslie objects because it's against sort of the ethos of Zevo toys, which is about whimsy and joy and not about verisimilitude, I guess. Yeah, I get that point too. I just think that yeah, it makes sense if you want to expand your line of products and if there's a great market for it from a business perspective, that makes sense. But from the moral of this film perspective, it is clearly the wrong choice. Oh, sure. I mean, you'd want to market for what you make as a producer. So it doesn't really make sense yeah. in that context. But considering it's a new owner, I don't think it's necessarily a bad idea, but I do think right. they're obviously he's going about obsessed it in the wrong, yeah, he's going the about it the wrong way. Yes. So meanwhile, Alsatia is testing a VR rafting ride made by Leslie. And Alsatia's like, that's your best work. So he does VR stuff? I mean, apparently he's an electronic genius, too. Does that come into play later? Because I was thinking earlier that VR should come into play. Uh, no. Really? (laughs) There are a lot of throwaway things in this movie that don't matter. It's a lot like the 13th Warrior. It's so weird. I was thinking that they should use it like the Jason movie that uses VR at the end to try and, like, distract him. (laughs) But they should do that with the general. All right, we got to get through this because there are some crazy stuff that you're kind of foreshadowing. Ooh, yay. So it cuts to Leslie driving home and he sees Gwen riding a bike with training wheels. And Leslie like pulls over and flirts a bit and offers her a ride home. And he like, hey, I'll give you a ride home. And if you do that, I'll teach you how to ride that bike. So she's just trying to teach herself how to ride a bike? Apparently, because she's using training wheels. 
she's tempting. Good on her. Yeah. But Gwen is like, I can't see you. You're not right for me because you don't take anything seriously. And Leslie makes a few jokes. He's like, see, I told you. And then he's like, you know what? I am serious about one thing. I'm going to confront the general tomorrow because I don't want to make war toys. And he's like, if I can convince the general not to make war toys, will you let me take off your training wheels? Which is an innuendo because it's that kind of movie. <laughs> like that is definitely a euphemism. <laughs> and apparently that wins her over. <laughs> yeah, of course. So we cut to night and the general and Patrick are sitting around a campfire for some reason. And the general is saying... <laughs> you know, those campfires you have outside of your business or your home. Just in the middle of a field. Like, this, this, the geography is nuts. <laughs> There's the factory in the middle of a giant field. And their home is in the middle of a giant field. Like, nothing is near anything else. It's all just spread out through this empty wasteland of wheat. Maybe they that's where they could afford to film that movie. I mean, they filmed it there. They had, a, they had like a $50 million budget for this movie. Well, yeah, they probably used it all on toys that moved. <laughs> And Robin Williams. And Robin Williams. <laughs> anyway, Patrick and the general are having a camp out because I think it's like part of their military shtick that like they're always doing that outdoorsy stuff or whatever. Doesn't matter. The point is they're outside. And the general is saying like, you know, fighter planes are only that big because they need a person inside. And I'm thinking, is that true? Don't they have like other requirements for like cargo and munitions and things? But whatever. Yes, I think so. Yeah. But it's like, what if we have remote control planes that were smaller? And so he's basically inventing the concept of drones. Right. <laughs> in 1992. Well, which is like, yeah, not a... From a military perspective, it's not a terrible idea, clearly because drones exist in the military, mm -hmm. but fighter jets also exist for other reasons, I'm sure. And he also claims that like children have better hand-eye coordination so they could fly them if they were remote control and that making smaller planes would be a lot cheaper because – you could take, you know, a $500 million jet. If I take $500 million, you could make a whole bunch of little mini jets, little mini drones. Yeah. And I don't know if that's true either, because I know that drones are very expensive. They are, but I don't know if they're, I mean, sure, I'm sure some are $500 million, but you'd at least make a few. <laughs> That's fair. Like, I don't know about any of the business of this or the military applications, but his plan is basically that he wants to make a whole toy-sized army. He wants to transition from making war toys to actually making drones and remote control tanks and things like that. You think he would have just a separate division at this point that's like related to – it's like part of the toy company, but not what the well, toy people the are actually making. I don't making. understand. How is a toy company qualified to make military hardware? Like, it, it seems like this – factory is magic because Zevo <laughs> couldn't propose his idea to the military before, but now that he has a toy factory, he's like, ah, now I have the resources to make military grade drones from this toy factory. See, that's what I was asking about earlier. <laughs> Was how I like what was his plan prior to owning this toy factory? He didn't have one. This all just came to him. Like, the toy factory fell into his lap. He started thinking about war toys. Like, oh, if I can make war toys, what if I just made them with real guns instead of fake guns? See, I'm sure lots of companies have a war division that does they don't it's not necessarily related to their primary output. Apparently he could do that, but it would be too I don't know, maybe the, the LLC paperwork would be too complicated. <laughs> sure. Okay, whatever. He wants to make war toys and war real things. <laughs> I think he's given up on the war toys. It's mostly just about the war things. Because the next day, Leslie watches a doll being drawn and quartered. What? Which is apparently a durability test. <laughs> but it's insane. You literally see this doll being pulled apart on a rack. That's not creepy at all. It's, this movie is so creepy, Daniel. I cannot express to you how much I think this movie is a horror movie beneath all the veneer of shiny colors. You just need different music beneath the, the surface. <laughs> not even. <laughs> the music is very creepy. <laughs> 
when the general rolls up in a very ugly, bright golf cart thing. And so Leslie gets in and confronts the general about not wanting to make war toys since they're all about whimsy. And the general is like, I agree. War toys are out. In fact, I want some space to myself to develop my own toys. I've been inspired. I want to try to my hand at this. I want to try to make my own toys. So I need a little bit of space for myself to set up my own restricted area to do some tinkering. So we're assuming he spent millions on these war toys that they're not even going to use. Company money probably. <laughs> yeah, that's what I mean. So the General Zevo sets up this whole restricted lab to work in, and he slowly starts expanding. Like, there's all these little quick cuts about, oh, I need a little bit more space. I want to take a little bit more space. And he slowly is taking over the entire factory. Again, why not just have a separate factory? <laughs> because they already have the factory there, Danielle. It would be more clandestine and cheaper to use your existing space than to build a whole new space. Sure, but like they also have orders for toys they have to put out. <laughs> Eh, do they, though? <laughs> That's not really relevant. The point is, later, Leslie is testing fake vomit with the R&T team, and they're talking about like how all these new secret projects are taking away space and budget from the other departments. How do you test fake vomit, Sam? They put it on a table, and they, they, they talk about how real it looks, or if it needs like, more peas and carrots or something. <laughs> okay. That's it, Danielle. That's what they're doing. <laughs> when the walls of this room slowly start closing in on them and they just sort of keep talking ignoring those walls as the walls sort of push them they're all sort of clamp onto the table eventually and they're just all sitting on the table as the walls seal them in on the table so it's just like the door and the table and then patrick pops his head and is like sorry about that we just needed a bit more space that is not how structures work <laughs> no but they do in this whimsical world danielle welcome to the world of whimsy i told you it's a willy wonka style factory clearly <laughs> So Leslie talks to Owens about what's going on, and Owens is like, hey, we're losing space and people, and then he points down from the window and says, hey, look, the general is busing children more every day into the factory. I'm like, how is that Wait, legal? What? Like, <laughs> yeah, children are being bussed into the factory. Where, where are the children coming from? Where are they going? They're all great questions that nobody knows at this point. And Leslie's like, okay, that's a little weird. That's not a little weird. That's super weird. So finally, after the cafeteria is compressed while they're all eating in it, Alsatia goes to her father's grave, the headstone of which is an elephant in the middle of a field laughing and blowing bubbles out of its trunk. Uh -huh. Because, obviously, I think it's Milton the Elephant, which is like their mascot. I like it. She laments to her father that the general has shut down her department and the whole company is going down the drain. Everyone's quitting. Leslie joins her and she asks him, are you going to do something about it? He's like, okay. They're like, uh, why do we need to have him do this? He already should have been thinking about doing something about this. Well, I mean, is there anything they can do if that guy owns the company? Um, we'll see. So the next day, Leslie and Gwen are walking through the city set from the pageant, which apparently is just up permanently. Like this model New York City is just permanently assembled in this warehouse room. Sure, why not? And Leslie is like, I got him to stop making more toys, but he's still up to something. And Gwen's like, why don't you just ask him what he's doing? <laughs> and Leslie's like, nah, I'm not going to do that. And they have like a champagne date picnic in Central Park. <laughs> where a toy mechanical horse and buggy brings them champagne. A real Central Park or... Uh, Fake Central Park. Okay. In the toy factory, Central Park. In the set. They're the set, the actual, okay. <laughs> Gwen reveals that Leslie's father, like, handpicked her, like, hired her personally and hired her directly, and it was done the day before he died, and he had told her that she'd like Leslie. So I'm thinking, gross. Did her father, like, <laughs> go out and hire someone to date his son? Well, I bet he Because that she's is not, not okay. She's probably not being paid for it, but maybe he just thought she was a good fit, and maybe they would hit it off. Yeah, but it's very kind of like, I don't know, parent trap in a way, where you're, like, you're trying to manipulate these people into getting together. Sure. 
I don't disagree with that, but I think it's less creepy if it's more just like, oh, I like her and she might maybe her and Leslie will hit it off. Yeah, but he like hide her because of that, it sounds like. <laughs> Hopefully she had other skills as well. <laughs> well, she does duplication, so she she so she uh mans the copier. Maybe so it was just I don't know. <laughs> maybe it was just, you know what, she's a really good copyist and it, she they needed to hire somebody. <laughs> Whatever the case, I still felt very uncomfortable with that notion. <laughs> That's fair. But they're interrupted when a bulldozer smashes through a wall into their room and the general comes in. He's going to kill somebody. Yes. <laughs> Leslie chickens out of confronting him then, but goes up to him the next day to talk. Leslie asks him what's going on, and the general's just like, he's like, will you tell me what's going on? He's like, no. Can I see what you're working on? No. And just like denies anything. He's like, what children? There are no children here. They're just people. You just saw them from up high, so the angle makes them look small. <laughs> they looked like children. They're not children. They just look small because you look at them from atop the <laughs> building. You know how people look smaller? Like they look like ants from the top of the Empire State Building. They just look smaller because you're on the third floor. Yes, children and adults look completely different from the third floor. Yeah, Leslie doesn't buy it, but <laughs> General Zevo still uses it as an excuse to end the conversation and get out of there. But Leslie manages to palm the security badge from General Zevo. So he's like, aha, I've got this. Perfect. <laughs> but – Later, he's talking with Alsatia and Owen about how to get past the security cameras in the corridor so they can access the restricted area with the badge he stole. And then he has the brilliant idea of MTV, and that is the extent of the idea that he shares with us. <laughs> MTV, not like normal MTV. No, like MTV, the music TV from the 90s, yeah. this is the, when they're all super popular. That's all, that's so actual MTV. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's his, that's his plan. <laughs> and there's a quick montage of them building something. And then later, Owen goes up to the security desk, distracts the guards long enough to slap an MTV label over one of the security camera labels. <laughs> Apparently, the security booth only has like one security camera feed and the rest of them are just regular TV feeds because you hear TV sounds coming out of the other monitors. Uh -huh. And apparently, this is enough to convince them that it might be the MTV feed, because what happens next is insane. On a security camera feed, we see Leslie and Alsatia wheel in this large backdrop that's painted to look like the empty corridor. And they position it in front of the security camera, so it looks like it's looking down the empty corridor and they can move around behind it without being seen, mm -hmm. which is actually a really good idea. Like, they've just basically rendered the security camera useless. Right. If they had stopped there, I'd be like, good plan. That is not what their plan is. Their plan is way more ludicrous than that. Because here's what they do. The, the front of the backdrop sort of falls forward. Like the corridor itself collapses forward. And we see this big beach set. And a projector starts rolling. And Leslie and Alsatia step out from behind the set to start performing a music video. Oh, okay. An original music video. <laughs> I don't know why. They were already in the clear. They had succeeded. They had gotten past the security camera. <laughs> the guards just sort of go along with it. They're like, oh, yeah, that's MTV. I didn't know we got MTV on this. Uh, they sort of hang out and watch this music video, which goes on for a while. <laughs> and the music video is amazingly well produced. Like, way more effort went into that than anything else that Leslie and Elsie should do. Like, they could have spent a tenth of that effort just to put up the backdrop and been done with this thing. So they only have one security feed, you said, right? Yeah. Which seems wild considering how much security went into this building in like 24 hours yeah. earlier. So apparently they had already won and they're like, no, we want to do a music video because it's our time to shine. <laughs> I mean, that's not untrue. <laughs> so during the song, Leslie sneaks behind the set to go into the restricted area. So all of this was pointless. <laughs> While Asaisha continues performing to distract the guards further. It must be a really long MTV song. And it is really long, but it's not MTV video. It's an original composition for the movie and apparently by Alsatia and Leslie. 
But still, like most songs last, what, three to four minutes tops? Yeah, this is at least five to ten minutes. It's crazy. <laughs> you wouldn't get suspicious watching MTV and it's going on for ten minutes? Apparently not. <laughs> so in the restricted area, Leslie sees dozens of kids playing more video games on giant screens. They're playing like flight simulators and tank simulators. He is horrified. It's just like uh, that, move, that book, Ender's Game. <laughs> Kind of like Ender's Game, but like this looked like arcade machines, right. kind of. Like with big wraparound screens and, and comfy chairs. Uh, he's very horrified. I'm less horrified by the video game because at this point, that's all they are. They're video games. Mm-hmm. And as far as Leslie knows, they're just video games. And there's nothing particularly nefarious about video games. Like, yes, maybe he doesn't like the concept of war games or war toys. But they're not like, oh my, this is the worst thing I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> but it is because that's, that would be the plot. Yeah. But meanwhile... As the music video is still going, the MTV <laughs> label falls off the security monitor and suddenly the guards are like, hey, wait a minute, that's on MTV. <laughs> and they sound the alarm. Alsatia swaps into a uh, one of the guard outfits and then goes and blends in with the guards as they <laughs> alarms blare. That's convoluted plan. It's so dumb. They, they literally could have just left that backdrop up in place and had all the time in the world. <laughs> So Leslie hears the alarm go off and hears the boots as the guards are rushing through the place and he runs through a door that dumps him into a well, just a deep well of water. It's just a door with a well in it? Yep. It's like a bridge that like extends, but it isn't extended at this time. So he falls into the well. Uh, what? Okay. <laughs> this will come back later, I promise. I'm sure it will, because we can't have a door with a well behind it and not use it later. Absolutely. Patrick opens the door. Maybe the same door? I'm not clear. There are lots of doors. <laughs> he opens the door and finds Leslie in the well. And he's like, don't move. It hunts by vibration. <laughs> what? And Leslie's What's freaking well? out because there's something in the water with him. It's not like a well well. It's like a, like a tank, like a round tank. Why is there like a piranha tank in this toy factory? Oh, Danielle, we'll get to that. <laughs> but... Leslie is freaking out. He's splashing around despite Patrick telling him to calm down. And Patrick yells across and orders someone else to like, shut it down. But the general shows up in yet another door <laughs> and is like, no, don't shut it down. I want to see if it works. He's going to kill his brother? Nephew. Nephew? <laughs> I like confused about the relationships in this movie. <laughs> Leslie is dragged underwater and presumably dead. <laughs> <laughs> the end. <laughs> However, later that night, a wet Leslie shows up at Gwen's house. That's good, I guess. How did he know where she lives? How did he get there? Unanswered questions. <laughs> it's on the manifest at work. Yeah. And he's like, something is very wrong. Duh, you were almost drowned by a machine in your toy factory because of a random well. And there's also a spy drone, which is a toy robot that just sort of walks around the floor that nobody seems to notice. Uh-huh. That is spying on them. And the guards that are monitoring the spy drone, one of them is named Baker, who was played by Jamie Foxx in his debut film role. Aww, so, hey. Before he was famous, just a little baby. Yeah. <laughs> Good boy, don't use that voice. <laughs> I don't like it. So Baker tells Patrick that they found Leslie because he suspected Leslie didn't actually die because he saw some wet footprints earlier. Oh, good job cleaning up after himself. So the inside the water was some kind of electronic thing? It was some kind of killer device that the general has been working on, one of his war machines. <laughs> more monster, okay. I'll tell you now, it's called the sea swine. Sea swine? Is it like a yeah. giant pig snake? Nope. Oh, that's a shame. <laughs> it looks just like a blob. That's all I gotta tell you. Why would you call this sea swine and not like make it look like a pig snake? Because it's alliterative. Yeah, but you could also make it look like a pig snake. You have 
you have you could do anything with your CSY. Danielle, I cannot explain this movie any better than I am right now. I'm Why sorry. Why even bother calling it that? I am disappointed in toys. <laughs> there are many reasons to be disappointed in toys. So good job. <laughs> Meanwhile, Gwen and Leslie start canoodling. Gwen gets undressed and... They have nothing better to be doing right now. Yep. And security guards are like watching them and getting really into it. But she throws her bra over the robot drone so they lose sight. See, that's why it was PG-13, Sam. It did say it was PG-13 for sensuality. And the guards are like, oh no. But like, oh wait, we can still listen. So they sort of creep on the noise, the sex sounds for a while before the robot drone, while it's walking catapults itself out of the window because the bra gets caught and turns into a slingshot. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> <laughs> it's weird. It's creepy. It's weird. It's unnecessary. I'm not sure why this two-hour movie needs a sex scene. <laughs> Meanwhile, Patrick talks to Baker and he's like, what does he know? And Baker's like, it sounds like he doesn't see everything. He only saw a bit. So it's not really that important. Patrick's like, okay, fine. Just We got to tighten up security. Keep him out. There's a big beating with the Washington that's going on tomorrow or Thursday or something. And so we need to tighten up security and just keep me appraised of his whereabouts. So it's fine that he knows that there's a giant sea swine. Yeah, because he hasn't put together all the pieces yet. Oh, okay. The next day, Leslie confronts the general with a thing in the tank. The general still plays dumb. He's like, oh, I'm still just making toys. Clearly it wasn't ready yet. I'm, I'm just not as good as you. Give me some time. I didn't want to show you yet because I'm not as skilled as you. You're an experienced toy maker. My stuff must be amateurish compared to yours, etc., etc. He sort of demures about everything. So is this thing in the Dissembles. tank one of the things that he's creating or was he using it as a security device? He's creating it. Okay. I know. Well, I was just thinking that if you're using a security device, it'd be a really weird thing just to have it behind some random door and hope that somebody stumbles no, into no, it. <laughs> that, that makes sense. But, you know, it would be very much in line with this movie. I know. That's why I wasn't sure. I thought I would ask. <laughs> <laughs> no, that, you know, good question, Neil. I, I, I should have been clear about that. <laughs> But Leslie insists on seeing what's going on. The general's like, okay, give me two weeks to put my house in order and I'll give you a tour. And Leslie's like, okay, sure. I'll trust you on that. <laughs> and why? 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 You were almost murdered. Oh, You're like, he really does trust, trust him? I thought he was being sarcastic. Yeah. No, he's like, I'll just let him do it. It's fine. <laughs> oh, no, that's dumb. <laughs> two weeks. I'll give you two weeks. I'll give you the two weeks and I want a tour. Because he's like, still not sure that he's not making war toys. <laughs> Leslie is very naive. Yeah, maybe he shouldn't have been in charge of the toy factory. <laughs> now you get it. <laughs> so meanwhile, later, Patrick and General Zevo meet with the Washington representatives, two other generals, and they're all being monitored by Baker, who like gets an x-ray scan of them for some reason, which is unnecessary. And General Zevo pitches the idea of miniature war machines piloted by children, which seems like a tough sell. Like, why children? That's gotta be a war crime, to trick children to murdering people. That would never... That would never sell. It would never fly. <laughs> it is the most, like, sure, drones, fine. But once he's like, we need children to pilot them because they have the hand-eye cord. I'm like, no, you lost me there, General Zivo. <laughs> I think you lost most people there. That's just, like, impossible to actually put into place. He gives his very impassioned speech to the generals about, like, anarchy and this war. about people versus people. It's no longer nations versus nations. So you can't justify large expenditures and giant planes without a just war. And he goes a little crazy. And at one point, the general's like, okay, fine, I'll have to take it back to Washington to discuss it. Like, you can't give me an answer now. I'm like, no, we have to discuss it. And he flips out and starts strangling one of the Washington representatives. <laughs> That's because he won't commit immediately to his ludicrous child drone army idea. <laughs> And the drones are a good idea, so yeah, I think you the could drones sell are like fifty percent of that. 
if he stopped a drone, he might have a viable <laughs> – I mean, there's plenty of military money to be flushed into these crazy projects, I'm sure. But nope, he goes crazy and loses it. Later that night, General Zevo is in his office, drunk, distressed about the meeting, and he starts hunting a fly with his gun. Like, starts shooting out a fly around his <laughs> office's gun, and then he shoots his own toe off. Oh, well. That's unfortunate. Because <laughs> the fly lands on his boot. But he resolves to show those Washington boys that he knows what he's doing, and he'll figure this out. Was his sanity in question prior to this moment? No, he he does seem to have like this weird complex about like proving himself to his father, never being good enough, the British accent thing. Sure. He's clearly not all there. It just seems like a sudden turn to... No, it, it gets intense quick. Yeah. <laughs> but he's always played sort of over the top. Okay. So it's not entirely out of character. So we cut to Patrick canoodling with Nurse Debbie, the same nurse from before. Apparently, they're engaged but haven't announced it yet. Aww. And while they're sort of getting ready to get busy, she slips and mentions Leland, his dad's name. Okay. And Patrick gets her to confess that she slept with his <laughs> father. Oh, Debbie, what are you doing with your life? Yeah. So when he asked her out earlier, when, when General Zevo asked her out earlier, they apparently just went out and had a little canoodle fest that <laughs> night. They had, a, they had sex. Aww. And they're arguing, and he, she's like, he was just so sad, he seems so depressed, he's always talking about your mother, and he's like, yes, I know, she died of appendicitis. I was like, no, she did not die of appendicitis, she died on a reconnaissance mission, because your father called her over to Vietnam to pretend to be someone so she could go in and do this reconnaissance mission. And Patrick is not happy about that. He's not happy about his father sleeping with his fiance for one, which, obviously... <laughs> And he's not happy that his father lied to him about how his mother died. So the, they couldn't do a government official? They had to get some random person to come in and... I think this was obviously just some sort of weird side project he had. Like, this was not sanctioned. Oh, okay. <laughs> That's less strange, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. It's never... Like, we never meet his mother. We never know who she is. But it doesn't make any sense. I like that they picked that she died from something that most people do not die from. Yeah. She was impersonating somebody. And then things went south. Yes. So Patrick rushes out, clearly just done with this, and he goes to see Leslie, who is with Alsatia, Owen, and Gwen, and he spills the beans about his dad's war machine plan. He's like, there's this huge plan where Ziva would establish free daycare centers in high poverty areas, <laughs> so kids would be left there all day. We would teach kids reading and writing and stuff, but also we'd teach them to play these video games, and we'd learn from them as they play these video games how to make better war machines, and eventually we could swap out the video game for the actual war machine so they could fly around killing people at these daycares. I'm like, like, what? What is happening? Why is this the plan? This is the weirdest, most convoluted, craziest plan ever. We're not monsters. We're going to actually teach them things. But also, we're going to have them kill people. <laughs> we're going to trick them into murdering people a la Ender's so Game. So it exactly is actually right. Ender's it's Game. Crazy. This is just... It's, it's basically Ender's Game. <laughs> this plot is toys with Ender's Game. <laughs> yeah, I have that written in my notes. It's that. It's nonsense. It's crazy. <laughs> So Gwen's like, we should call the police. And Leslie's like, no, this is a family business. We'll take care of this. And I'm like, what? no, no. Call, call the police. No. <laughs> call the police. This is call. I don't know. Interpol or whoever handles like the Geneva Convention, because this is crazy. The Hague, whatever it is. These are war crimes. <laughs> But no, they're like, okay, cool, family business, we'll do this ourselves. And Patrick's like, well, I installed that security system, so I'll help you take it down. But oh no, they're all being watched by the general on another one of his elephant robot drones this time. <laughs> they should really, like, they're just not smart enough for this. No, their drones are so obvious. Like, they're just little toys that walk across the floor, and they're so obviously spying on them. 
Well, they make drones, but they can't make tiny little cameras. They do make tiny little cameras inside the drones, but not small enough that they're not obvious. <laughs> but you're like, if you can make drones, you could probably make tiny little cameras to stick in a room inside of a picture frame. Yeah, right. That'd be much better than these <laughs> remote control toys. Because the general who's spying on them is like, Patrick defected. He is no longer my son. This means war. There is no family in war. So there's war in the toy shop. That's right. So Patrick takes out the surveillance system as he and the others sneak in. But the general brings up the backup security system that he didn't tell the me about. The one other camera. <laughs> Apparently. <laughs> this time there are lots of cameras. Oh, Apparently wait. Why? Those... Why would the main system only have one camera, but the backup has main... multiple? My... So this is my guess. Is those two guards were just there to guard that one corridor. Okay. There's like compartmentalized security camera surveillance system. So you guys watch this corridor. Here's your feed. Those guys have their own security desk watching another. I don't know, Danielle. That seems like a questionable way to do that. It is. It's very weird to have a decentralized security system like this. And at least even if you only had like guards watching one hallway or something, you think they'd still have access to the other cameras so they could communicate. if they're just watching one hallway, put them in the hallway. You don't need the camera. (laughs) Good idea, Sam. <laughs> I know they're in the ca- if they're in the hallway. That whole ploy with the fake MTV music video would not have worked. <laughs> That's why you're the evil genius. Oh yeah, great thanks. <laughs> so they move to the factory, and eventually they split up with Patrick going off to go shut down the computer in the main control room, the whole security system, while Leslie, Owen, and Alsatia and Gwen just kind of get lost and wander around, so they don't know where they're going uh-huh. after Patrick leaves them. Finally, they find an elevator and they get into the elevator and this toy girl pushing a baby stroller, who's like a baby who's feeding on a bottle, into the hallway. As the, as the girl pushes the stroller closer to the elevator, the baby lifts up the bottle. It's a Gatling gun and starts shooting at them. And here's why I'd be like, okay, wait a minute. Making drones is one thing. Why are you making weapons that look like toys? That seems just unnecessarily convoluted. Yeah, where are they going to use those? Right. And so this begins one of the weirdest parts of this movie, which is the end. And it's just a whole bunch of really weird toys that look like weapons and they're like nightmare fuel. <laughs> Luckily, the door elevators close, saving them from being shot by this Gatling gun baby bottle doll thing. Would the, the bullets not go through the elevator? I'm assuming the door is thick enough to stop the bullets. I don't know. It's movie logic. <laughs> Mythbusters. Every... every Surface, be it a table, chair, whatever, is enough to stop bullets and movies. Yeah, that's how it works. I forgot. Sorry. It is. Yeah. Meanwhile, Patrick is moving down another corridor when a beach ball bounces down towards him from one end. It's a bomb. Run. (laughs) No, it's much crazier than that. Much dumber than that. From the other side, another doll walks down, like another, just a regular plastic girl doll. And the ball opens up like a flower. It splits up from the top to reveal another doll with a ukulele inside the beach ball. Uh-huh. And the like segments of the beach ball fold down and become like the legs. So it's like a spider bottom with a ukulele doll child on top. Creepy. And then the first doll splits open like at the seams and this blue, like, like a doll on the inside, like a figure, but it's blue instead of like the doll color emerges from inside of it, kind of like the xenomorph mouth inside the other mouth. <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> and so the ukulele pops up and it's a gun. And then this giant gun barrel shoves its way through the mouth of the blue doll that split open. <laughs> And I'm like, why? Why is this like Cronenberg-esque body horror in this toy movie? (laughs) This is basically just Sid from Toy Story, like all grown up. And this is what became. (laughs) 
It is horrific. I kind of love it. I kind of love how like off the wall this goes. So they're aiming the guns at Patrick, but he jumps up just in time and grabs the ceiling as the two dolls shoot each other. So yay, he survived. Oh, that's good. I was really worried about him for two seconds. Finally, General Zippo's like, send in the tanks and the helicopter. Like, oh, okay. Now we get tanks and helicopters. What are all the other stuff for? <laughs> Just to look cool. So then actual like remote control tanks and helicopters go in and start shooting at them. But fortunately, the tanks have like stormtrooper aim, so they miss constantly. Oh, good. But this is where I thought like, wait a minute, there are no children here. They they ran through like the room with the video games. There are no children here. Nobody's piloting these things. These aren't remote control. They're just full on robots, which is completely different to the plan as I understood it. Yeah. But maybe that's why they can't hit anything, Sam. Did you ever think about that? <laughs> you got me there, Danielle. <laughs> But why would they build fully autonomous drones when they're playing with remote control drones? I, I, just like, wow, I don't get it. I don't it. know. You think if you had that, you wouldn't need the children? Exactly. And their plan would be viable. Washington would love it. <laughs> so Leslie and the others are running and they end up in the old warehouse where all the old toys were boxed up by General Zevo when he started making his new war machines. So have they not been making any of their normal toys this entire time? I, apparently. Like, again, the timeline for this is weird. I don't know if this is like a month or like 12 months. Okay. I don't know the timeline for this movie. It just seems like they probably would have had a lot of like contracts and stuff with companies and now they're just suddenly not making these toys. I don't think they have I don't think this is like contracts. Like, they just make stuff and like they're manufacturers so they don't have people coming to them to make toys. They make the toys and try to get people to sell them in their toy stores. Right. But you probably have contracts with these Order. I'm sure there are Toys R Us or whatever like, that you have yeah, to yeah. like send your stuff to. I don't know. Apparently the general just doesn't <laughs> care. He's like I'm making war machines. Who cares about contracts? <laughs> Okay. There's whimsy, Danielle. There's no contracts I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm thinking of the, the realistic side of this. That's nonsense. I shouldn't have been. Yes. Stop thinking about the realism. Stop thinking about the war machines. <laughs> okay, war machines. <laughs> so Leslie concludes that the tanks track movement and noise. And so he's going to take all these wind-up toys that are defunct. He's like, hey, this is our army. These toys, our original toys, that's what we're going to use to fight back. Does the music swell? Oh, absolutely. Yay! Leslie actually gives a huge speech that like parodies the Emancipation Proclamation <laughs> and Patton and a bunch of other sort of military speeches to the toys <laughs> while the other people, Alsatia and Gwen and Owen, are setting up the toys and winding them up and getting ready. To be fair, they may be sentient now. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> So the mini tanks are bursting through the steel doors of the warehouse and Leslie unleashes his army, which is just wind up toys that are making noise and walking around and they're moving across the floor and the mini tanks just massacre them. It is brutal. It is. If there was blood, it would be something out of Saving Private Ryan. It is just carnage as the tanks just annihilate these toys one after another. And it goes on for a long time. Like they fight these wind-up toys forever. <laughs> but it works because the tanks are distracted by all the wind-up toys. Right. Meanwhile, Patrick has snuck into the pageant stage because that stage just keeps coming back. Yeah, well, if you have that stage, you might as well keep using it. Absolutely. So he's a among the fake buildings when he's clipped by a bullet from a from one of those mini tanks. It's intense. This family is out for blood. It is. Back in the warehouse, mini helicopters come in and are joining the fray and it's chaos. And it does this awful fake slow-mo thing that I kind of hate in movies <laughs> where they don't actually like shoot on a slow-mo camera. They just take the normal, whatever, 30 frames per second and just slow it down so it looks all choppy and weird. Mm -hmm. And it just makes this movie even longer. <laughs> 
And it's like the one part of the movie that doesn't look like this movie still looks amazing. Like it has great aesthetic, but this the one part of the movie like, nope, this is not an aesthetic I appreciate. <laughs> but Leslie somehow intuits that something happened to Patrick and he goes to look for him while the others maintain the diversion. He just knows. He can feel it in his bones. He just knows. So a tank is chasing Leslie. And at one point, we see this overhead shot of all the tanks performing a choreographed dance for some reason, just like dancing in a circle like <laughs> water dancers. Synchronized swimming. There's so many random musical numbers in this. There's no music. They just do it. They just they start dancing like synchronized swimmers for no reason. I like it. It's fun, but also like I don't I don't understand who programmed that into these robots. <laughs> it just looks cooler, Sam. Come on. Yep. Uh, and as Leslie is running, General Zevo's like, "Oh, we must stop him. Deploy the sea swine in amphibious mode." <laughs> so sea swine is back in action, baby. The disappointing sea swine. You have no idea how much of a disappointment it is about to be. <laughs> Leslie makes it to the stage. The place is crawling with tanks, but unfortunately, Patrick is pinned down. He's like, Leslie, I'm stuck. I'm, I'm wounded and I can't get there. There's tanks everywhere. You have to get to the control room and shut off the main computer. And Leslie's like, okay, cool. I'll do that. Until he gets into the giant toy airplane that Santa flew in the beginning of the pageant mm-hmm. and somehow rigs it so it starts flying towards the big office windows. Yeah, that's how that works. <laughs> yep. And he gets into a dog fight with one of the helicopters somehow, <laughs> where the helicopter like produces a pair of like Swiss Army knife clippers, starts trying to cut the cables holding the <laughs> the plane up. I'm like, what is happening? So is the general's plan to murder his family and just dispose of the bodies? I think his plan is to murder the family and use it as proof that his his idea is a valid one. That hey, Washington, look, I killed look how my good family. These kill. Hire me. <laughs> Yeah, basically. That's a crazy plan. I mean, he's clearly gone off the deep end here. <laughs> so the helicopter clips some of the cables. The plane careens off, smashes through the window, still hanging from a couple of the cables. And Leslie's like, and you thought I was a buffoon. <laughs> and the general gets really mad and grabs him. But the plane swings back out over the stage, holding Leslie and the general who are sort of you know fighting on this plane for whatever reason. But then just a random stray rocket from one of the mini helicopters goes into the office and blows up the main computer and shuts down everything. So, oh, you know. that's convenient. Yeah, right? <laughs> and then Leslie and General Zevo crash land on the stage. So the why does the plane suddenly crash land? Because it couldn't bear the weight. I feel like those like, wires are probably pretty strong. Well, they've been cut by the helicopter. Oh, that's right. I forgot cut. about the yeah. giant knife thing. Well, scissors. Scissors. Swiss Army knife scissors. <laughs> Sorry, there's a lot going on. <laughs> there's a lot going on. We're almost done. So the evil sea swine is now underneath the stage. You see it like secretly burst through like the floorboards and has whoa, like its whoa. backup Wait. power activated. So it was supposed to be in an amphibious mode, correct? Yeah. So it's on land. Yep. And it's traveling. It like, travels through like the duct work. Okay. <laughs> and it turned, it, admit, it is the only thing still working because it manages to turn on its own backup power. <laughs> sure, why not? And so then it, it, you know that's like, oh, it's it's working somewhere on the stage, which is like this whole tension builder that it's trying to be. So Leslie and Patrick are confronting the general and he's like, hey, no, wait, oh, it's just a joke. Don't don't hurt me. Uh, uh, there's nothing going on here. Can't we just like come to an understanding? He's only trying kind of to thing. kind of kill you, sort of, maybe. Yeah. And Patrick and Leslie are not having it, but then the sea swine breaks through finally and is targeting Leslie. Nobody sees it. 
How does it know who to target? Uh, magic. It's a robot, Danielle. It's very smart. <laughs> okay. And nobody sees it, you said? No one sees it yet. Okay. And then just as he's about to get his head blown off, Alsatia comes running and going, hey, we won. We did it. It's wonderful. And she stops in front of Leslie and her head gets blown off instead. Like literally her head <gasps> gets shot off her body, goes flying across the room and lands among the buildings. Is she a toy? The head is still talking because apparently Alsatia is a robot. That makes you feel better. (laughs) (laughs) She's a robot that their father built for Leslie after their mother died because he's like, I need someone to keep Leslie company. I'm like, and so you built a robot. You built an amazing animatronic Joan Cusack robot. Yeah, I mean, that was your that was your solution to your you child would, being lonely. Okay, first off, that is the best solution. <laughs> <laughs> Just saying, wow. Also, why does she need to be a robot? It has no bearing on the movie at all. There's like no relevance to her being a robot. There's cool. some like hints they drop earlier, but like, it doesn't affect the plot in any way, except that she can be killed without actually being killed. That's intense. It's so, like, out of left field. It's like, <laughs> I don't get it. Why? Why is that a plot twist? Like, ooh, surprise, she's a robot. Like, okay. So it's not like she was, like, trying to learn the meaning of love and someone fell in love with her. It's like, do I love the robot now? Like, no. No, no, that just, she's just a robot. And everyone's like, okay. You think they would have used that fine. to their advantage more like maybe she saved him or something like that more specifically yeah, than she her did. her being a robot could have been a more interesting development. Yeah. But, you know, it's just like, Oh, she's just a robot, and everyone's cool with that. Just moving on. Joan. Uh, She's wonderful, but also weird. (laughs) But while Leslie is sort of comforting, what's her name? (laughs) Alsatia. Yeah. Well, I just keep wanting to say Anastasia. (laughs) It's not Anastasia. Keep wanting to say Alsatia or Anastasia, and it's Alsatia. It's pretty close. Just say Joan Cusack. Anyway, Leslie is comforting her, saying, hey, we'll fix you up. It's not a problem. The plans are my dad's safe. And the general uses this time to sneak away as they're distracted. But the sea swine spots him, targets General Zevo because it's a little glitchy. And there's a big flash of white as he's shot by the sea swine and presumed dead. Plot twist. The sea swine goes awry. Yes. So the whole screen goes white. That is a scene transition because during that white scene, we're back to the Christmas pageant. Okay. The Christmas pageant is happening. I'm guessing it's it a different Christmas all pageant. a dream. <laughs> <laughs> Why did be so angry? Alsatia's dream. <laughs> Apparently, this is a year later or however long it is until the Christmas pageant would happen again. The general is not killed. He has been bedridden next to his elderly father, but he seems okay with it. Like, he seems happy enough, or at least no longer super angry. The factory is back up and running. It seems to be back to normal. Oh, uh, the, all the people dancing again? Uh, well, we don't see that because it's just the Christmas pageant scene. <laughs> Alsatia is also repaired, though a little loopy. And her, Leslie, Patrick, and Gwen all go to visit their father's grave. And Patrick says he has to leave to return to the military service. His country needs him or something. He just had all that time off. Yeah, apparently he just took a little sabbatical to go <laughs> run the streets for his dad's toy factory. <laughs> Leslie reassures his dad's grave that Zevo Toys is back in good hands. Then Alsatia throws a bouquet up in the air for whatever reason. Freeze frame. Roll credits. (laughs) Okay. Sure. Why not? (laughs) Yep. And that is the 1992 movie Toys. That is a movie. (laughs) (laughs) It is a movie. That is a very long movie that looks really nice and has a plot that is maybe 10 minutes long. (laughs) A bonkers plot. It was so crazy. I don't know if I recommend this movie or not. Like, I do recommend it as an interesting film to watch. Like, it looks really nice. It has some really great design. 
and there's some really great people in it. But it's also kind of boring <laughs> a lot of the time because there are these long scenes that have no relevance, like the VR scene and just a bunch of like people are like, oh, I'll talk to this guy tomorrow. And they do it and they go back and forth and back and forth, like lots of little things that sort of draw it out for a lot longer than it needs to be. So, you know, if you have like some time, you want something kind of lazy and drawn out, you don't have to pay too much attention to, but that will be visually very interesting. Toys. <laughs> did did Leslie's character end up taking over the... Presumably. Like, it's not made clear, but I'm assuming that, yes, he is ready now to take over after his encounter and stand up for himself and beating evil General Zebo. And he and Gwen live happily ever after. Apparently. <laughs> well. Questions, Danielle? No. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think so. I, I don't I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta say, like, I really don't know a lot about military hardware, but if someone could tell us if this general's plan for budget toy tanks that are real tanks would have ever worked, or if, like, they would have been just way too expensive, let me know. Do you think he hired people to, like, come in and design those, or were they all something that he designed? Well, the implication is that he designed them himself, or at least headed up the design. But it's never established that he had any kind of background in that. In fact, at the beginning, yeah, he was like talking about how he didn't know anything about toy making. Right. Yeah. No, it's crazy, Danielle. Suddenly he is making these amazing mechanical machines that nobody had figured out before. Yeah. So, yeah. I don't know. Like, if you want to share some insight on either toy manufacturing, like, could a toy factory be easily repurposed to make military hardware? See, I think that's the most realistic part of this entire movie. <laughs> you do. See, I find that to be like the like, the least almost because plastic and toy stuff, like the retooling alone would be super expensive. You can't just like on a dime turn the factory from making wind up toys to military hardware. Oh, no, I don't think that. But I do think there's probably some commonalities that would transfer over if you had the right people uh, and stuff in charge. Well, if you've ever refitted a toy factory, <laughs> please let us know. Yes, because one of our listeners, I'm, I'm sure, has yeah. absolutely done that. Yes, if you've made drones from a toy factory or just, you know, have some insight into the motivations of General Zevo that I may have missed because he seemed like his motivation was just he liked making war things, he liked <laughs> war, then you can definitely reach out to us at bookretorts.com. Or you can tweet, Facebook, Instagram us at bookretorts. Until next time, be wary of the toys in your house. They may be spying on Many you. Many movies have told us that's true. <laughs> Okay, well, on that note, bye. Take care, everybody. <laughs>